Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! It's spring, it's almost April, there's another episode of Royally Obsessed what to a good listen day. to. It's this- a great day. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. And we're back with another episode. Follow us on Instagram if you haven't already at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also email us at info at gallerypodcasts.com. Rachel, what's on tap for today? We have a lot of great stuff, Roberta. We are talking about Wallace Simpson's jewelry. That is not what you expected me to lead with, right? Not what I expected. <laughs> um, but I'm putting it out there. Megan's new podcast, the second half of the Caribbean tour, Prince Philip's Service of Thanksgiving, and Andrew. Yeah. (laughs) But first, on a lighter note. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. We are sipping for our royal refreshment today. Bridgerton themed tea. And look at my mug. They sent this to us, and this was the happiest mail I have ever received. It is the Republic of Tea. And can I just say that I, right before recording, I was trying to choose which brew I was going to mix up, and I chose the Honey Breakfast Tea, which features the lovely Daphne and Simon. I chose the tin that has Anthony and Kate on it, <gasps> and it's the spiced chai tea, and it's delicious. And I have my Harry and Meghan oh, yeah. mug, the Samir Hussein picture. I'm using my Diana mug. Oh. We are so in sync, Roberta. Have you watched the new season yet of Bridgerton? I've watched the first episode. I'm already hooked. I'm on episode two, and it's so good, but I wanted to point out that I feel like they're lifting stuff from Pride and Prejudice. There's a lot of like... Well, see, you are a Jane Austen Jane Austen expert. references. Like even one of the quotes that they say in, in episode one was like directly from Pride and Prejudice. Like it kind of freaked me out when she's like eavesdropping and he's talking about what he wants in a woman and Whoa. whatever. I want to watch this with you in real time so I get your takes. <laughs> oh, speaking of TV though, we need to plug our sister podcast, Stream On, which just came out and yes. they talk all about the latest TV and movie news and it's a must listen. If you need a new show idea or just want to hear what other people think about certain movies that are out, there's so much to stream right now. So I think this is amazing to help you kind of cut through all the noise. Yeah, really digestible, really interesting. It'll keep you totally finger on the pulse, which you need to check out, add to, subscribe. I was going to say add to cart. That's not correct. And they had some really good Oscar predictions. Yes, which did you watch? I know we're segueing away from our our. I watched a little topics. bit of it. Oh my goodness. I just stayed up till the end because I wanted to see if Kristen Stewart took home gold and she did not, sadly. But I feel like Jessica Chastain totally deserved it. And I really was optimistic that we'd see Meghan and Harry, but 
alas. But that that slap derailed oh, quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> then I was just, yeah, totally derailed. Yeah, that. I feel like I'm still kind of like reeling from it. It's me just too, me too. It's very, so, yeah, a lot of yeah. thoughts on that. All right. Moving on. Yeah, while we're sipping, let's get into our listener email. So we got a note from Rachel who praised the pod and was so, so sweet and also wanted to share a royally adjacent tidbit. So she wrote, I live in the Pasadena area, about 90 minutes from Harry and Meghan in Montecito. My sweet friends, Mary and Edmund Fry, own the Rose Tree Cottage in Pasadena, where Megan went to learn how to take afternoon tea before meeting the Queen for the first time. Andrew Morton writes about Megan's several trips to the Rose Tree Cottage in his book, Megan, a Hollywood Princess. Speaking of Andrew Morton, this is Rachel. She writes, I run into Andrew frequently at royally inspired events around Pasadena. He often says Pasadena is Megan central due to the many connections she has to the city. One of her previous boyfriends is a real estate agent here, and she was also homecoming queen at St. Francis High School, an all-boys school located 10 minutes away. Fascinating. What a great email. I like the -the on-the-ground sleuthing from this. I feel like there's like so many connections to Megan, even just in that little area. Andrew Morton lives there now, so it's very autobiographer. All, all the ties. I feel like I don't I think I told you this, but I'm planning a trip to California this summer for about a month, mostly northern yes. California, but I'm having all these uh daydreams about detouring to SoCal and trying to, to figure out Montecito and maybe Pasadena, getting it into the into the mix. But can you get Prince Harry on the pod while you're there? I mean that would be maybe. my goal. Maybe what, what did they didn't someone else say that they go and they just like bow outside the curtsy oh, outside the yeah, address like curtsy outside the gates of their neighborhood i don't think oh. I, I think that feels inappropriate <laughs> but yeah maybe i just do like the double decker bus tour as an homage oh that's <laughs> fun you should i feel like you have to go down there and everyone says how well i have been to santa barbara and it's beautiful but i'm sure montecito is just as gorgeous yeah, so totally all right we wanted to squeeze this in though while we mentioned megan that we wanted to play the new trailer for their podcast archetypes for her how podcast exciting. i should say not Harry. yeah archetypes so here's that trailer. She's a slut. <laughs> People think I should be quiet and submissive. And a little emotionally unstable. You have the word <laughs> skanky in America? That's we do of, have yeah. that word. I was waiting for you to smile at some of the compliments. You didn't. They are weaker, smaller. They are less intelligent. This is how we talk about women. The words that raise our girls. And how the media reflects women back to us. Stop following me! But where do these stereotypes come from? And how do they keep showing up and defining our lives? I'm Megan, and this is Archetypes. The podcast where we dissect, explore, and subvert the labels that try to hold women back. I'll have conversations with women who know all too well how these typecasts shape our narratives. And I'll talk to historians to understand how we even got here in the first place. Archetypes, coming soon. Listen only on Spotify. It's due out this summer, right? Yes, this summer. I'm excited. And we already have predictions about who might be on it. Rachel, do you have any guesses? I mean, all I can think is Megan's Rolodex. I mean, she has had so many wonderful conversations with so many incredible women. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Oprah joins, you know? Yeah, that's (laughs) a good call. I also think that a lot of people, especially Taylor Swift fans who, like, love Easter eggs, pointed out that Megan says all too well. And in, like, those words, like, 
the Taylor Swift song. So maybe Taylor oh. Swift, who has had a lot of experience with, I think, these typecast narratives that Megan mentioned. So it'll be interesting. Please email us if you have any other ideas for who she should have on or who sh- you think she should have on. I just hope there's some cross-promotional opportunities where, you know, we could, you know, send listeners. She should come on. We could have uh, this real amazing moment. But but no, I'm really the excited dream. for her. And I was totally surprised that she's hosting. Like, I don't know if I expected that from their first inaugural show so I'm I really I think I also kind of forgot what her voice sounded like and it's so smooth and like soothing. wonderful in our ears yeah podcast voice I want to be I want to sound more like Megan very smooth on the podcast. it's hard when it's like nine it's in the morning low. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I do sound more like her at nine in the morning drink actually. your tea drink your tea <laughs> I need to do the same um it's like so funny you need more honey in my tea and now this week in royal history this is a fun one, and I may need to like geek out a little bit for a second. But oh, we are geek out, we please. are flashing back to an auction to remember. It was actually referred to in the papers as the alternative crown jewels. It took place on April third, nineteen eighty seven. Wallace Simpson, who obviously is the Duchess of Windsor, was the Duchess of Windsor and the wife of the Duke of Windsor. She passed away in nineteen eighty six, but in nineteen eighty seven, her jewels hit the auction block at Sotheby's. They sold for $50 million, Roberta. And this was six times over the expected asking price, what they thought they would bring in. And it was the world record for a single owner collection. There were 1,000 total bidders, another 600 in New York City, relaying their bids all the way to Switzerland, where the auction took place. And apparently the prices and the interest really reflected, according to Sotheby's, a unique outpouring of nostalgia. I thought it was fascinating that the proceeds went to the Pasteur Institute in Paris, known for its AIDS and cancer research, but to oh. kind of share why people were so invested, like think about the uniqueness of some of the pieces. Right. There was a 19-carat emerald and diamond ring commemorating their secret engagement from 1936, and it was inscribed with, we are ours now. I mean, why would it? Why, why wouldn't like his family, not his family, but like why wouldn't anyone want to keep this? They had I no children. They had no, yeah. you know, so I think that they're, I guess that was the idea. She wanted the proceeds to go to charity. And that one a, got like, $2 million personal almost. Personal piece of history too. I there just was another like one that was a, a bracelet that was inscribed with God save the king for Wallace. I mean, these are like really, really unique pieces, Whoa. right? I guess there was also a cigarette case that had mapped out their travels around the Mediterranean, and there was a gem at every place that their yacht docked. I mean, these were very, very personal pieces. So Elizabeth Taylor got in on the bidding, spent almost $600,000 on a diamond ostrich plume brooch that she admired whenever she would have dinner parties with the Duchess. So anyways, I just thought this was fascinating to read about, and it does really, I mean, warm your heart that all the money did go to charity, too. It does, yeah. But it is sad to me that they didn't have anyone to kind of leave it to. I guess that's what Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just think it's interesting, too, this, like, reading all about this, thinking about how, you know, without Wallace, I feel like I just want to know more about her. Because without Wallace Simpson, we wouldn't have Queen Elizabeth. And I feel like I just, I want to kind of dig more on that. There's a documentary, not documentary, sorry. There's a Madonna movie called W.E. Have you ever seen that? No. It came out two years after the King's speech, and it's been on my list, and I constantly forget that it's on my list. And I think Wait, it has- Wait, like Madonna, the singer? Yes. Is in it? <laughs> and Oscar Isaac is in the movie. And I think this is probably why it's not talked about. It has like a 12% Rotten Tomatoes rating. Oh. But I'm intrigued enough by the trailer to check it out, maybe. My royal interest. I don't know. I just need to Wallace know Wallace and Edward? Is that W.E.? Yes. That it... Okay. Interesting. Yes. I mean- 
you know, 12%, not great, but I'm not going <laughs> to write it off. Maybe you and I can watch it next time we're together, next meetup. I thought that was really that interesting. That is fascinating, though. Yeah, I don't, we don't talk a lot about Wallace Simpson. I think it's so, so interesting. So I love this royal piece of history. Out of left field, like I said at the top of the episode. Our first news bullet of the day, the Caribbean tour part two. So last week we covered the Belize part of the tour and the episode dropped Thursday. This week with this episode dropping Thursday, we'll almost be a week out from them getting back to England. So, you know, it is a little bit of old news, but we just wanted to flash back because we didn't get to cover it. And Rachel, you did such a good job of distilling it last week into fashion, fanfare, and fallout. So I had to stick to that high bar. Yes, and Roberta, I do it. <laughs> pageantry, PDA, and post-tour reactions. You are so great. I just love your branding capabilities. I bow down. Our alliterations. We love a good alliteration. <laughs> so pageantry, Rachel, between Pink Princess, Green, and Gone with the wind and satin cinderella which was your favorite and i'm not agreeing with the gone with the wind like i don't that label is problematic but i'm just that's what people called it so we'll i love it what was Um, your favorite pink princess all the way i just i love the glittery i know it was not the right moment to wear it but she just looks stunning and pink is like my number one it's my favorite color and i just loved the shimmer what about you? I too. Yeah, I, I was going to pick that, the vampire's wife pink dress. And also I don't think hair. it matters. Yeah, her hair was so good. I don't, just don't think it matters that, like, it wasn't the right dress code because it, when you look at pictures, like, she just looks stunning. It doesn't really matter that it was, like, And she needed, degrees. like, you a fancy moment that. at yeah, every stop. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, agree. Together, they all look so beautiful, too, yes. by the way. Yes. And – the Gone with the Wind thing in the context, it doesn't make sense, no. but I just had to call with that because green and G gone. Okay. So, but <laughs> favorite here. overall look of the tour, real quick. All right. I'm torn between the Roxanda dress because I did love that yellow. I know you yes. had like, you weren't so sure about that when we talked about it last week, but I yeah. think that self-portrait dress that she wore in the Bahamas, that drove me to immediately and almost buy it online. I was the in the car. Was yeah, so I was good. in the car going to Massachusetts and I saw those pics like on my phone and I had, it was within seconds of them being posted and I hit the self-portrait site, converted it to US dollars. It was <laughs> in my cart, Roberta, the right size and it was $510 and I just was like, oh. visualize the event you'll wear it to, visualize the event you'll wear it to and I came up blank <sighs> so I wouldn't let myself buy it but I was this close and I do have some sartorial regrets now that I didn't because it's completely sold out but I loved that look oh I'm in the sartorial regret boat too because I almost bought a Rixo London <gasps> dress last no two <sighs> weeks ago before all of this it's really been on my radar because it's on rent the runway the brand and <sighs> so I was like oh these are stunning and the patterns are so fun and I didn't and I think that was one of my favorites and also the McQueen Oh. white suit which was just yes like, good call good call so 17 right. outfits overall too i mean you forget like there's pretty incredible so much. yeah yeah and i mean we're getting the light stuff out of the way first but trust me we are going to get into these post-tour reactions which are big. you know are pretty heavy and i did feel kind of heavy throughout the whole tour but there's this light moment where we had pda and mom and dad holding hands at the fancy event in the Bahamas and also at this little event at a fish fry. Mm-hmm. 
and this Viagra moment. So this was <laughs> so funny. So Kate is sampling the local fare and her and William are at this fish fry and she's trying a delicacy, a local delicacy called conch pistol, which is okay. said to have the same effect as Viagra. She goes, I'm a little bit more adventurous than William. And William jokes, I can handle it. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> So then she holds up that little, like, it's kind of gross looking, like, slimy piece of whatever. It's supposed to be the conscious male genitalia. And then she eats it. Everyone applauds. And this is from Rebecca English of the Daily Mail. She said, my friend at Atlantis Bahamas tells me that if William eats the same piece of conch as his wife, then another baby is on the way. Wow. That, I'm like fanning myself here. <laughs> it's getting steamy. I'm I didn't so realize glad this. that you went deep on that. Like I needed that. <laughs> I needed it too. Because like all the other events I wanted to highlight, but like it's just going to be a little bit old news. There were great the photos we, from that too. Out. Yeah. But there are. And they saw the Hurricane Dorian destruction and they had a ton of events at the end of the tour. But we got to get into the post-tour reaction. Mm-hmm. So there's this Daily Beast quote. Prince William and Kate Middleton know how their Caribbean tour has been received as a colonial era tribute tour rather than a nuanced, thought out week of activities tackling slavery and the indignities, cruelties and shame of the past head on. Yikes. We have some headlines from CNN. When royal tours fail, the New York Times headline is gaffes and miscues mar a royal tour of a republic-minded Caribbean. So I just kind of wanted to get into it with you. Also, Lainey, this quote was so good. I have to read it. She mm-hmm. said, it's like showing up for a vow renewal and being asked for a divorce. Ooh. Which feels really true. Yeah. Really, really true. I mean, I think that was what struck me so much was that it was like whoever planned it, they just kind of put blinders on with the intent, which mm-hmm. was like honor the queen, 70-year legacy. We're looking backward. This is a charm offensive, as everyone called it. But everyone watching was thinking about looking forward and the people that organized it just didn't read the room and never thought about that, which I don't know how that could happen. It was such a miss. I know. A I huge miss. Miss is an understatement. Yeah, it, uh, miss is an understatement. For his part, William did have this speech where he acknowledged slavery in Jamaica. He said, I want to express my profound sorrow. Slavery was abhorrent and it never should have happened. He also released a statement right before they left about the Commonwealth. And it said, I know this tour has brought into even sharper focus questions about the past and the future. He says, in Belize, Jamaica, the Bahamas, the future is for the people to decide upon. Catherine and I are committed to service. It's not about telling people what to do. Who the Commonwealth chooses to lead, its family in the future, isn't what's on my mind. What matters to us is the potential the Commonwealth family has to create a better future. So he definitely acknowledges it. I think the a lot of the discussion was, Why didn't he just outright touch on an – why didn't he give an apology? Why didn't he talk about reparations, which is what a lot of the protests were about? And I looked into it, and CNN has this kind of interesting explainer. They said, a formal apology and acceptance of responsibility would open the door to questions about financial restitution, and that's the domain of the UK government rather than the royals. When it comes to matters of state, members of the royal family act on the advice of ministers. So an apology or reparations would need to be agreed upon with the government first. So he actually is kind of 
his hands are a little bit tied in a way. Just politically speaking, he can't open that door without the government's approval is yeah, what it sounds like. From definitely. CNN. I think what was fascinating just watching as the tour progressed, and this was as we're focusing on the second half, you know, just there was a notable shift in their expressions. They pivoted some of their speeches. But I think that the reality just watching is that we all are in agreement that tours need such a huge overhaul. Mm-hmm. It's like it feels like in the past they're and and present based on this tour, they're so focused on photo ops and sort of those just don't work. Like we've I think you know, you and I chatted a little bit about this, but just throughout the course of the pandemic, we heard from them so much. And yes, yeah. they gave speeches and all of that stuff, but I think that the images that we saw from this tour were so staged and just completely missed what was actually happening around them that it just, it landed so wrong, flat, all the things you want to say. And I think that they need to really overhaul it, basically. I completely a thousand percent agree with you, Rachel. But in their defense, supposedly William was the one who brought up that this, you know, riding on the back of the Land Rover that his grandmother rode on would be a big red flag. And he told his PR team and they said, well, the, you know, Ministry of Defense in Jamaica really wants this. They, They like have so much pride about this vehicle and that they still have it in this moment and everything. So I think that they are aware they are aware of the controversy and they their team just royal tours can't be the same like you said i think mm-hmm. laney again i feel like my girl laney i keep shouting <laughs> out today but i just wanted to say that she summed it up perfectly she says at this point they better be setting up crisis meetings yeah. and strategy sessions as soon as Wayman can get back to london the whole royal tour tradition has to be revisited the game plan will have to change if what's happened this week doesn't result in a complete systems overhaul the monarchy cannot survive mm. and again rebecca english who is so favorable to the royals usually she said i have no doubt that the whole ethos of royal tours will change from now on less celebratory more cerebral minimal pomp minimal pageantry what has struck me over recent days is how thoughtful and intuitive William in particular has become. Yeah. No, those are really great perspectives. And I do think one positive, too, was that we did see from the Cambridges, which was unique, is that they brought along their own photographer and videographer, Matt Porteous, who's mm-hmm. shot a lot of the birthday portraits. And if you followed along, I mean, obviously, you can't follow a tour in a vacuum, but their Instagram was what was highlighted was a lot different than the coverage we saw. Like, even that Land Rover moment, yeah. Kate and William were really in the background and it really highlighted the actual event and the people that were participating. I think it just gave a very different purview into what was going on and the work and the people in the community. So I think that was very intentional on their part. Just an interesting shift to have them yeah, do that. And those shots were so lovely too. Like yeah, Matt Cordius did such a good job. Very with editorial. Like, very magazine. Yes. Like it just felt and like he a shot that scuba spread. video too. Yeah. So which I had <laughs> Can I say my one weird thing that is belated on the first half of the tour where the scuba video, I do think, I just want to know, was she really wearing her engagement ring, Kate? It has to be a stand-in, right? Yeah, there's no way. Like, who would allow that? There's not enough insurance on that ring, and there's no, it's irreplaceable. But there is, you know, the screen grabs that are caught. She has a big, big rock on her finger that what else could it be? It's very... But maybe they're that confident in her scuba abilities. Yeah. I mean, she she could retrieve it. She, if she dropped it, she would find it. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Or maybe about it's that. such a tight fit. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I can't imagine that it is a tight fit, but she's so thin. <laughs> All 
right. The service of Thanksgiving, Roberta. Obviously, one year later, Prince Philip actually passed away on April 9th. We saw this amazing celebration of his life, service of Thanksgiving, held for Prince Philip at Westminster Abbey yesterday. Reminder that only 30 people attended the funeral. The There was that image of the queen alone, which I feel like I had to pull up in preparation for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Every time I see it, it still just like takes my breath away with how, after how long their marriage was, to have that be what happened with his funeral. This was the polar opposite. There were 1,800 guests in attendance, 1,800. The whole family was there. So was Andrew. And I think that that's what I really want to focus on first is just like I think there were a lot of surprising faces in the crowd. We weren't expecting to see Charlotte and George. Prince Albert was there. No Charlene. But, you know, even the fact that the queen attended was decided hours before. But for me, Andrew walking the queen in, being her escort, was a real choice. And it made me very upset. It overshadowed everything for me. What was your perspective on that? I totally agree. I feel like the the focus completely shifted. We've seen all the news coverage now, just the front pages about Andrew being there. And it almost felt, and I feel like this is kind of a weird parallel to draw, but stick with me. So I'm Catholic. I went to Mass on Sunday, and the reading, the gospel reading was – the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. It feels very prodigal son. Like he can do no wrong. He's like squandered everything and he comes back and the father's love is like so great and he's welcomed back with open arms. And I think, you know, she, it even you mentioned the funeral for Prince Philip last April. Guess who was sitting close? Even though there was no one around her, the person sitting closest to her was Andrew. Her mother's love is, just knows no bounds. But I think what's really striking, and I this is a great point that um, Kevin McGuire in the mirror brought up, was that what does this say to survivors of sexual assault? Mm-hmm. It just, the quote was, what Virginia Dufresne makes of it, one can only imagine. But much of the watching world, particularly women victims of abuse, will have been revolted. The removal of all his titles and patronages, including his Royal Highness title, looks like a diversion now. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like even though she ultimately made that decision, the queen, the fact that he escorted her in, it was just, it felt like an endorsement. You know, I just, I think that it was said to be her decision ultimately. And people, I believe, you know, without saying officially, Charles and William and other people in the royal households advised against it. But it seems like, you know, no one can overrule the queen on this. And she, I mean, he is known to be her favorite, but why? Like, I, I felt really blindsided by this choice. I did, too. And I think I thought about what Nikki Kristoff said. Like, she joined on the podcast last yes. week. She said the fish rots from the head down. And it's hard not to think of that with those visuals. Like, why is this? We haven't seen the queen in five months. And this is the first time. Like, it just it made me feel really un- upset. Speaking of Nikki, I reached out to her this morning and asked what her thoughts were on this whole debacle. So smart, Roberta. This is a quote she gave me. I'm full (laughs) just reading quotes. I'm loving it. Bring it on. This is like, I feel so like I'm enjoying it. I feel like Nikki has a good point. She says, yet again, Prince Andrew proves he has the self-reflection of a vampire. Walking his elderly monarch mother down the aisle doesn't show good standing. It shows he's remorseless, selfish, and clueless. Harsh words, but last month he settled a civil case for rape of a minor for a rumored 12 million pounds. Some head hanging is in order. Totally agree. But then it's like, it's the queen's call too. It's not just Andrew. And she obviously gave her stamp of approval on this. And it makes me really think about 
how Andrew, who should be pushed away and pushed out, or at least pushed out of the photos, is being pulled in by the queen. Mm -hmm. Whereas Harry, who should be pulled in, is kind of being pushed out because of this whole security issue. And not just by the queen, by, by, I feel like, the firm or everyone that's involved, but just... That Harry, it's such a contrast in the treatment of two people. One has truly done nothing wrong except try to protect his family, and one has done everything wrong. Yeah, and I think it's a great opportunity to mention that because I did feel like we had so many amazing, you know, the turnout, just seeing the whole family together. This was the first in a really long time, and I couldn't help but just feel really sad that Harry and Meghan weren't there and just really missing them, you know, and how meaningful it would have been and what they're up against in terms of coming back. And I wish that there was more done to make it possible for them to be present for that. Um, Yeah. I did also want to talk about the fashion. I mean, Kate's, this is her second nod to Princess Diana. What are you making of this, these choices that she's making? I mean, she had the end when they departed from the Bahamas, which was a very clear homage to the eighties. And it was also an Alessandra Rich dress, which the one she wore to the service of Thanksgiving was the same designer in Mm -hmm. polka dots, that hat. What did you think? I just, I loved it, but I couldn't decide if it was, like, what was the, was there a dress code set out? I feel like they've been conflicting reports, like, yes, they were told no black but dark colors, but then, and also a lot of greens, which was the Edinburgh green, but then I, I feel like maybe there wasn't because there was not that much coordination but then weirdly, the like, dots, a lot of coordination. You're right with the green. It was like we yeah, saw so, so many members wearing that. But and it, the polka dots are kind of silly, but then it was sexy with the slit up the side. Oh, I But then the it was slit. also serious because it was black and it was somber because of the occasion. So I couldn't get a reading, but I I think overall – I loved it. Oh, and she also had the <laughs> pearl earrings that were actually Diana's. I mean, yes. I know she's worn those before. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think that it was it was a little bit all over the place. So many people with that with that green and the wide brim. Can hat. we talk about Charlotte? Yes, and and George. How tall is he? He's just like adorable. He had and lots Charlotte of classic- catching herself on camera, yes. just seeing herself and smiling. <laughs> Yes. So good. It was so good. And uh, all the classic George expressions like that we always like turn all the internet like turns it into all these memes. But he he's just so grown up and it was really delightful and a surprise to see them. And and I think, you know, a lot of Mia Tyndall walking in, you know. I was also talking about surprising guests like Boris Johnson. I know he's not a royal, but like after what happened on the eve of Prince Philip's funeral, that like How is he still I know in, he has to be there. It's like it in his role. That's what I want to know. I guess yeah. I feel like that was really bad. But I was gonna say one other thing though. I think what really struck me about the service of Thanksgiving versus the funeral was just the overall tone was really it was somber and there were a lot of emotions. You saw the Queen kind of welling up. You saw Princess Beatrice kind of break down, cover her face with the program. But it really did feel overall like a celebration versus a year ago, which was completely you know just. A funeral and it was a this felt really a nice tribute to philip i just wish again that it wasn't so overshadowed by andrew one more thing the fascinating fascinating thing that your friend pointed out about the red carpet. oh yes Can yes you tell yes us about that one of my friends sent me a dm she's like an active listener caroline if you are listening um but she mentioned is this the case where there's a royal regal red carpet that's laid out in westminster abbey and it only sits beneath the air. So it was, it seemed like it was completely squared off beneath the queen, Charles, and then behind her, William and George. I thought that was a really astute 
observation that she made. Yeah. And zooming in, that's exactly the case. So Mm -hmm. this red carpet is just under that line of succession. It's really interesting and fascinating. Yeah, so much thought. Uh, And I totally agree. I think like some of the shots of the queen tearing up and even of Charles getting really emotional were heartbreaking. And we know that, you know, Today marks another somber anniversary. The queen mother passed away 20 years ago today on March 30th, 2002, the day we're recording at Royal Lodge. She was 101 years old, which like I I hope the longevity – her genes are in Queen Elizabeth for sure because, you know, she did have – it seems like she needed help walking, but she was fine with the cane. And the only thing that worries me is if you're so worried about a wheelchair and the optics around that but not worried about – your son and the sexual assault optics, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. May I, Roberta, end with a quote that I have pulled in the in the spirit of your Why <laughs> you may. Why, thank you. <laughs> I just thought this was a nice uh, summation from the Telegraph. And, you know, a lot of the video clips that I watched were the anthem being played, God Save the Queen. And it said, this quote, as the congregation sang God Save the Queen, seeming to stand an inch taller for the now rare rendition in the presence of the monarch herself, the queen seemed moved and blinked rapidly in an unusual break with total composure. I just, I don't know. I think that that was like, it's just really meaningful to see her there. And I feel bad that I spent so much time on Andrew, but it was, she looked... To me, very not, you know, I know she has mobility issues, but she really, really, it was important for her to be a part of this. And it meant a lot for all of us to see her. Yep. It just is what legacy is she leaving behind in maybe some of her final years when this is the decisions that she's making. So we'll just keep reflecting and keep reflecting, keep talking, hope for better, keep reading. Exactly. Hope for no more. Exactly. What a week. Should we hit the highs and lows? Let's hit them. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low this week is I love the Queen on the cover of British Vogue, the April issue. I don't love that they made her kind of share it. They have two (laughs) covers, one with Anya Taylor-Joy, who obviously is the Queen's Gambit actress, and one with the actual Queen, this beautiful portrait taken by Anthony Armstrong Jones. And... I like this quote from The Cut. They said, one would think that as Britain's longest reigning monarch, Queen Elizabeth might be worthy of her own Vogue cover, which I I agree. I would agree. Why wouldn't they just do one cover? I don't get it. It's her Platinum Jubilee year. Can you just do one special April cover? Anyways. I also just, can I just tack on to this, that where the heck can we buy this? Because that is always my plight. Like, I really want to own a copy of this, but I call my local Barnes & Noble every day, and they never, they're always like, it's not here yet, whatever. I've gone through this route. British Vogue. British Vogue. I do think they they sell them in some bookstores, like you said, but... Any Roros listening across the pond, we will pay for we will the Venmo copy <laughs> and shipping. Please write us info at gallerypodcast.com. We definitely want this cover. Good call, Roberta. All right, my low, I'm just, I mean, I know we already talked about it, but I'm just going to repeat. Like, I think nothing was as low for me as the Andrew escorting the queen. So that's, I, I just, I really felt just shocked by that and it was I said to my I said to Matt last night I was like we had just a wild and crazy work day and I was like by the way like as if I had some breaking news about our family I was like did you see who walked Queen Elizabeth into the service of Thanksgiving it's and all he, anyone can talk about Matt looked at me like so... I had six heads he had no idea he was like he was I like, did not 
<laughs> but I was really just upset by it. So I think that was my low of the week. And then guess what? So what popped in my inbox this morning is Eugenie's charity, the Anti-Slavery Collective, a newsletter from them, which Ooh. is like a monthly or bi-weekly, I'm not sure, newsletter. And it's all about, well, one of the stories is about sex trafficking. Whoa. Like, wow. Yeah. It's just like such a disconnect. Like two-sided coin. Yeah. Uh, my high this week is that, but speaking of Eugenie, we got picks of baby <laughs> August, which I love did love. that little guy. I love to see him, and he's now 13 months old. And so we got two new pictures of him, one for Eugenie's 32nd birthday Instagram and one for Mothering Sunday, and they're both so sweet. So I love those behind-the-scenes snapshots. She's so fantastic it's, on Instagram at giving us little nuggets. I loved and, her outfit yesterday, too. Yeah. She looked incredible. And Beatrice looked amazing. She really looked incredible. The hat man. Yeah. Okay, my high was the parallel between the rainy day images of Will and Kate in the Bahamas and Samir, who all, taken by Samir Hussein, who also took the iconic rainy day photo of Harry and Meghan. I just, I think that I've just decided that rainy day royal pics are the end all be all. Like, yeah. they always make for just such fantastic images. And I think, again, like, I loved that self portrait dress and. Chris Jackson called their, you know, I mean, they arrived where it's supposed to be sunny all the time and, you know, you expect vacation vibes. They call it liquid sunshine there in the Bahamas. I thought that was so sweet, but those images just brightened my spirit on upon viewing them. I felt too, like the confidence of Kate in some of those images too. Like she's first out and she's walking through the rain toward William and I don't know. It was it was very sweet. Like I think that was such a like romantic picture. So well, romantic. But, yeah, I yeah. love it. Rain and I, I just think rain is romantic as a it photo. is. The umbrellas. Yeah. Oh, everything. like your wedding photos, right? Oh well, I just, maybe I maybe that's why I have like an maybe intrigue. that's why you have like this subconscious reaction. I like to really, them. but it, I think it makes people kind of also come out of their shells. Like they just, it's very candid what results because you can't predict the weather. That's so true. Bada bum ching. <laughs> I right. love it. All right, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Here is a recent review. They say, my favorite aspect of these two is that they love, love, love the royals. <laughs> like this episode, we've kind of taken, uh, kind of piled the hits on. But perspectives. That's okay. It's yes. okay. Criticism is okay, guys. Yeah. Um, this person said they are truly team all, and that's good about loving both of Diana's sons, their wives, and grandchildren. They're supportive of both. They're fun, lighthearted, and I really wish I could sit in and join their conversations. Thank you Aww. for your thoughtful and appropriate coverage of Andrew. Even though they love all things royal, they know when to call out the abhorrent behavior. Well, there you go, Roberta. Done and wow. done. <laughs> Thank you for noticing that. I do think we'll get criticisms, but that's okay. Info at gallerypodcast.com. Just felt like a moment to plug that. <laughs> Yes, please email us all your thoughts and follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Are we done for this week? We are done. Cap on Until that. Sip your Bridgerton week. tea. I just ran out. Yes. yes. Cheers. Cheers. Till next week. God, God save, save the, the pod. pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.